you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hi guys happy weekend it is great to be back with you uh the week gets so busy for me here at affordable interior design with the phones ringing off the hook, with the emails, the scheduling, with my own clients, that it can oftentimes be hard to carve out time to hop on the airwaves and answer your questions. That's why you usually hear from me on Fridays or Saturdays or over the weekend when I can finally grab a chunk of time where I'm not distracted or someone is not calling and I can dig into your questions. So I'm excited to do that today because I have a lot that have come in and of course keep them coming because each each broadcast I'm able to get to about four or five questions which means we can get through this mailbag at a pretty steady clip so don't hesitate to send your questions to info at affordableinteriordesign.com I'm going to be doing an episode today an episode in a couple of days because Next week, I am leaving on a trip. I am leaving to Paris. It is a very big birthday for me, and I figured I would celebrate it in one of my favorite places, a place that brings me endless inspiration because the architecture is so yummy. But beyond the architecture being yummy, the food is so yummy, and I have a love for all things from the boulangerie, whether it is a baguette or a pommier, or a chocolate croissant. I'm a bit of a gourmand, as they say. So I love to just eat constantly, especially crepes, especially, yeah, I eat all the things. <laughs> the cheese, the ham, the charcuterie. Uh, I'm going to eat all the things. I'm going to come back 10 pounds heavier and so much happier and I can't wait for my little break my little celebration so it's gonna be a break from me talking to you and I'm gonna try and cram in lots of questions before I go and lots of questions after I go so now is the perfect time to email me with everything that you've got on your mind in the meanwhile, let me hop right in. So I got a question from Irina and she writes, Hello, Betsy. Congratulations on your pregnancy. I hope you feel better soon. I have a question for your podcast. 
How do you choose the right media console for a 65-inch TV that is hung on the wall? How much wider should it be than the TV itself? Should it be of a particular height to look balanced? I am looking for a mid-century style console to go underneath the TV. Okay, so let me answer this question first because you have a few questions. It should be as wide as the TV or any wider. I don't like the TV stand to be less wide than the TV because it looks top heavy. It looks like you have this big TV on top of this tiny base. Even if it's mounted on the wall and not structurally supporting the TV, it just looks top heavy. I prefer that console, like I mentioned, to be the same height or any wider. It doesn't have to be 10 inches wider, 15 inches wider, but it does need to be in low proximity to the TV. In other words, between three and seven inches. I think more than seven inches between the top of the TV stand and the bottom of the TV starts to look like they don't have a relationship at all. Starts to look like the TV is just kind of floating up there and not really getting functional use out of that stand. Also, you want the TV to be at eye level. So when you're seated on the sofa, ideally the TV is at the same height as your eyeballs, the center of the screen would be. And that means that most TV stands tend to be pretty low. They tend to be between 20 and 30 inches high. Anything over 30 inches high is more of a sideboard or a credenza, which is fine to use as a TV stand, but you want to make sure that you have a significantly deep room so that you're not craning your neck to see the screen. Those would be my words of wisdom for your TV stand. In terms of a mid-century modern look, there are lots of places to go, but let me answer that in your next question or the question after that. How do you decorate the space around the TV of the size so that the wall doesn't look empty? But I also don't want to draw too much attention to the TV since we have a fireplace on the wall next to the TV wall. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot going on on that wall, and I don't want the wall to be too busy even though it is the focal point of the room because you have not only the architectural focal point, which is that fireplace, but also the modern day focal point, which is, of course, let's be real, a TV. Uh, I don't think you're going to need much more than that. In fact, in most cases, that wide horizontal screen serves as a piece of art. You know, if it was the only thing on a massive wall and you were saying, Betsy, other than the TV, the wall feels so empty. Well, I do have a couple of ideas. You know, you could build a gallery wall around that screen so that when you're looking at the wall, the screen isn't the only imagery you're seeing. You're also seeing some pictures or some paintings or a mix of interesting shapes, colors, textures. You could flank the TV stand with two tallish plants so that way they're serving as sculptural decor for the wall, but also offsetting all this technological energy because the cable box, the TV screen, that's hard techno vibes, right? And so it can be nice to balance that out with something natural like a tall snake plant or a money tree or, um, you know, 
there's lots of different things you could use. I don't have a green thumb, so I like things that I can easily keep alive, which are the two aforementioned plants. You can see uh, that I do love a money tree from my book, from my storefront, and then from my own dining room. I have a money tree centered on the table because goodness knows who doesn't want to attract more money into their life. And the reason you put it in a dining area is a dining area is the area of abundance, of food and prosperity. So when you put a money plant anywhere in your dining area, it helps to even increase that prosperity more than say if you put it in your bedroom or in your living room. And then you asked me, Betsy, is Overstock a great place to shop for a TV console? What other places would you recommend? So this brings me back to that mid-century modern style, but also... When we're thinking about this wall as a focal point, when we're sitting on the main piece of seating in the room, which is generally the sofa, whether the TV is turned on at all or not, we are looking in that general direction. So I don't want people to cheap out on a TV stand because either we're watching TV and we're looking at the TV stand or our gaze is naturally inclined to that area due to the orientation of the seating. It's a piece you're going to be looking at a lot. So you don't want to buy something that's not visually appealing. You don't want to buy something that's not good quality. I'm going to recommend for that mid-century modern look and also for that good quality piece, Room and Board, Crate and Barrel, West Elm, Article has some interesting options that won't break the bank. But those would be the four places I would think of first. I would avoid places like Overstock, Wayfair, Hayneedle for this particular piece because those pieces do not ship well. They require a lot of assembly and most TV stands are going to have doors or drawers in addition to the shelving. And oftentimes when you assemble that on your own, oh, excuse me, one second. goodness. That is one of the hazards of taping on a weekend is that your family tries to find you. My family is trying to find me right now to have me make lunch or do something else. And I am hiding in my office podcasting and broadcasting with you guys. So uh, shh, don't tell on me. I'll be home in 15 minutes, honey, and I'll make lunch. I'll do all the things. Okay, uh, so we don't want to get our TV stand at Wayfair or at Overstock or at Hayneedle because we have to assemble it. And because it often doesn't ship well, those large case goods do not ship well from these vendors. I avoid buying dressers there. I avoid buying TV stands there. I avoid buying large bookcases or storage cabinets there because they always come dinged or damaged. And then they're that much more complicated to put together. And then they don't look very luxe. So I really want you to get um, this piece from a place that's pre-assembled. And those stores that I recommended just a minute ago will give you that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips 
things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. My next question comes from Lisa. Lisa writes, Hi Betsy, I want to buy some white wall ledges for my daughter's room to put up some of her CDs, a few books, picture frames, etc. In the hopes that this will clear the messy table that you see in the pictures I've attached. I decided that 30 to 32 inches is the ideal length, but most places seem to carry a size of 24, 36, or 48. Because of the back of the hardware, excuse me, because of the hardware on the back for hanging, I don't think I can customize the length of this. Am I right? I have checked several sites, but maybe you know of somewhere that carries more size options. Or maybe 36 inches doesn't look so bad. In person, I felt like they looked too close to the edges of the wall in the window, but I appreciate any input, Lisa. Excuse me. Indigestion, Lisa. You know how that goes. Oh my gosh, you have a daughter. I may have a daughter gestating in my stomach and I'm burping constantly. Anyway, is that TMI? Uh, let's talk about your shelving issues. First of all, I do not like to use floating shelving for real storage or things that little kids are going to access because they might be inclined to hang off the floating shelving. They might be inclined to overburden that floating shelving with lots of things and then it compromises the integrity of the shelving. Floating shelves should really just be used for decor or for very lightweight things or things that maybe adults are going to access. But I, at least for my kids, would find that that floating shelving would be too much of a temptation to turn into a jungle gym or to throw all their junk on. And I worry that, you know, floating shelves don't generally have sides or a front in terms of a ledge. And so stuff can easily topple off. I prefer it just to be for something aesthetically pleasing and not to be for functional everyday use. I would prefer, based on your picture, for you to get a bookcase that mounts to the wall, that has the shelving, but can also give her a little more function and that she could grab, pull on, you know, crawl on, and it wouldn't have any trouble with its integrity. I would highly recommend, based on your measurements, there's an amazing 30-inch bookcase that would look great in this room from CB2. It's called the Stairway Bookcase. It comes in two different heights. I'm going to recommend the 72.5-inch height for you. It is a little pricey at $349, but the quality is great. It mounts to the wall, which is key when you have kids because you don't want it toppling over on top of them. And also the shelves are quite shallow, so it's not going to protrude and encroach on her play area, but it will certainly be able to hold those CDs, those books, and those picture frames that you're hoping for. And like I said, I'm very leery of these floating shelves, and some people become addicted to floating shelves. They want some over here by the window. They want some above her bed. They want some over here by the entryway. And the problem is, again, they're really just used for decor. We don't want to consider them a functional bookshelf in any way. Now, 
If you really feel that you want to use floating shelves here and you have determined that you are not addicted to floating shelves and it's just going to be in this one moment, well, I will sanction that. But here are some ground rules. Because of the hardware on the back, you cannot generally cut the floating shelf to size. They do have some at Ikea that have external brackets. And if you had external brackets, of course, you could cut the shelving to size, but then it's not a true floating shelf. But then it can typically hold more because the floating I'm sorry, the, the brackets are more substantial than the internal mounting devices in a floating shelf, which tend to be somewhat more delicate. Um, and the thing I love about floating shelves is that there are so many options. One of my favorite places to go when I have a very specific dimension in mind is Wayfair because I can, with their filters on the side, get the exact inch that I want. So I would go ahead and look at Wayfair and I would type in that parameter of 30 to 32 inches in length. And in the search key, I would be looking for white floating shelf or white shelf, right? And I think you're going to find more options than you might know, even though, of course, sticking with standard sizes is always much easier. And based on your picture, I didn't think that 36 inches looked too wide, as long as you're not going to do any externally mounted window treatments, which would then encroach on the the wall further. So there we go, Lisa. I'm going to answer one more question before I hop off and go make everyone lunch. <laughs> okay, let's dig in. Uh, this one comes from Renee. Renee writes, Betsy, congratulations on your new family member. Thanks for sharing the happy news and being real about the not so fun parts of pregnancy. Uh, let me just digress for a second, Renee. It is so funny that you say that because I actually still haven't told the Facebook community. I still haven't told some of my closest friends. I plan on making that announcement, but I have really been too sick to get enthusiastic. Um, but I'm starting to come out of that now at week 14. And I think next week when I'm in Paris, I think I'll make the big announcement. I'll make it Facebook official. Um Especially now that I am popping. I am popping. So it's visually official if you run into me on the street. But uh, yeah, I told you guys before I told anybody else. I told you guys before I told my godmother. So that's pretty intense. Um, but let's get to your question. While waiting for the next podcast, I went back and listened to episode 46 about styling surfaces. The tips about kids' toys and entryway console clutter were so helpful. What more ideas do you have about clutter? What could go on top of a tall dresser for a guy? How do you help your kids have usable, lovable spaces? Thanks and thanks, Renee. So on top of a dresser for a guy, I love a tray because a tray is basically a corral. It tells people, here are your limitations. This is where things go. When this thing is full, you need to reevaluate it. I also like a tray because you can choose the size. There's so many styles, there's so many shapes and colors, but there are infinite number of sizes. So if he just wants to put things from his pockets, well, you get him a small 10 by 10 tray. If he wants to put, I don't know, some of his work documents, some of his favorite magazines, as well as his watch and his ring. Well, maybe you get a slightly bigger size at 14 by 18. But you want to be cognizant of the fact that the bigger the tray, the more crap it holds. So if he has a tendency to be messy, we might want to get that small tray so that it doesn't get out of hand. Um, I myself have trays all over because I am a little bit messy and it helps me to visually evaluate Betsy, this male situation is out of control. It is higher than the top of the tray. It is time to sit down 
and open some of this mail. Uh, those visual cues are really helpful for me because I'm a dumper. So I'll take off my rings, my jewelry, and dump it on the tray on top of my dresser. And then when it's looking too scattered or when there's jewelry all over, I'll take time and put each one away in the jewelry box. Uh, that's aspirational, by the way. I can't remember I've when I've put each thing away in the jewelry box. <laughs> aspirational. Um, but also in terms of kids, I think the key with kids is that we can create habits for them. We can teach them how we need them to behave. They're so moldable. And I love bins that have pictures if they're very young or words if they're a little bit older to tell them where things go. Because when you tell kids to pick up their room or to pick up the playroom, well, they're just going to shove things wherever they see an open area. At least that's how my kids operate. Uh, but if they know books go here, play clothes go here, it helps to make things more manageable for them. And of course, it helps to make things more organized for me. So when I first moved into our space and we had a playroom, I immediately got out the label maker and designated what goes where to give them those boundaries. Unfortunately, you need to reevaluate it every couple of years because, you know, back then my kids weren't playing with Legos. They were playing with Duplo blocks, which are much bigger, and now I have to reevaluate. And now they have a lot more dress-up clothes than they had before, but they don't have as many trucks. So my playroom is overdue for a refresh. But the other key, and this is a mistake I made, is that I got closed storage for the playroom, doors that they had to open to see the toys. And then on the other side of the room was open shelving, one of those Calex cubby units from Ikea that has the open square cubbies. Now, they throw everything into the Calex unit because they don't want to open the doors on the Vesta unit and read my labels. They just don't want to open those doors. So what I'm actually doing right now, or when I reorganize my playroom, which is going to happen very soon, aspirational again, is that I'm going to remove all those doors from the Besta so that everything is just immediately visible to them. They can see all the toys so they don't forget to play with something. They can see all the labels so they know where things actually go. And then, you know, I think it'll just make for a more harmonious experience in general. But visually, I like a combination of open shelving and doors, but I found that the things behind the doors out of sight, out of mind. You know, they just never played with them and we had some awesome toys that were just totally not on their radar. So that would be my suggestion for you, Renee. And also, you know what? I was with a client yesterday, a client who has a little bit of money, a client who has three children, and I just really laid it down for them. I said, you know, interior design can only do so much. Sometimes what you need is an organizer. Sometimes you just need to throw some money at that problem and have someone create that system for you that you can then follow. If, if creating systems, if using a label maker is not your jam, sometimes you need to hire someone whose jam it is and then have them come back every two or three years. When the cycle of toys change, when your needs for the entryway cabinet change and have them restructure the thing so that it meets your growing or changing needs. I have a third kid coming up. I am going to be heavily focusing on reorganizing from basically December to February because I need to make room for all these new things that we're going to be having. And it's the perfect time to phase out those things that the kids are less excited about.
All right, speaking of kids, it is time for me to go home and make beanie weenies. It is time for me to plug in. It's the weekend. I've got to get out of my office hidey hole and re-engage with the world. But it has been so good talking to you. And of course, like I mentioned, keep those questions coming to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.